tornadoes, tornadoes. Do we have a picture of a tornado? Yes. Doesn't that look ugly? I mean, does that look ugly, folks? Yes, that looks very, very, very bad. You know, in America, in America, we have about 1,200 tornadoes annually. Can you imagine that? 1,200 tornadoes. It makes you want to move to Switzerland, does it, when you think about uh, tornadoes and hurricanes are not bad in Switzerland. At least that's what I hear. Well, this evening in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to conclude the book tonight in verse 16 through 18, and we're going to talk about some twisters and what to do with these kind of twisters. These are different kind of twisters than these ones we just saw, but they're deadly and very dangerous in another way, just like the tornado is very deadly and very dangerous uh, in some ways. So let's begin with this. Let's look at the twisters this evening. The twisters. Now, I I thought about this today when I had this as one of my points. Some of you would be thinking about some dance you did back in the 50s or uh, how many of you remember the game Twister? You remember that game? We ought to bring that out at Kit and try that again, shouldn't we? That... uh, I'm not playing. I'll tell you, I'll spin the dial, though, but I'm not going to play. Goodness gracious. At a certain age, Twister is not applicable anymore, is it, that, that old game? Verse 16, it says, speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. He's talking about Paul's writings, and when you agree, some of Paul's letters are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of the Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this tonight. I've mentioned it earlier, but it is so neat. This is, uh, this is you know, 25, 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is one of the eyewitnesses to Jesus, one of his best friends. And he already in his spirit and from the Holy Spirit knows that, that the letters, that many of the letters that Paul is already writing, and Paul may have written a thousand letters. We have 13 in the New Testament. Peter is confirming them as the Word of God. Isn't that neat? Uh, an eyewitness of Jesus, close best friend of Jesus, and this is 25, 30 years after the death and resurrection. He's already saying that these things Paul's writing that we're gathering are the Word of God. That's a side note, but a very important side note. Listen to what he says, though, about Paul's writings and other scriptures. He says, some people who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters, as they do all the scriptures. To twist there means to wrench. It means to, to pervert something. It literally was the Greek word for to torture something on the rack. Now, how many of you kind of know what the rack was in medieval torture devices? Sometimes in deacons' meeting, we use it to get information out of fellow deacons. But when someone was put on the rack, they were fastened to it, and then they would twist and gnarl and turn and manipulate their body to torture it, a lot of times to get information out of. It's interesting, he uses that word, and he says, some people are twisting and distorting the Word of God. He says, these are ignorant people. Put the Scripture back up there, Brian, if you don't mind. These are ignorant people. Don't you like his delicacy here? Peter was not politically correct in any form or fashion. When you chop off a guy's ear in a fight with Jesus there, you are not PC. Amen? Peter was not PC. He goes, these people are ignorant. That means they're unlearned. 
or they're ignorant. Let me just say this. You can be highly educated and be ignorant. There's a lot of ignorant, educated people, just like there's a lot of people who don't have education who are ignorant also. You know, sometimes we find uh, that people who have a high education, and that's a great thing. I'm, I'm all for that, 110%. But sometimes they forget that just because they have a Ph.D. in the study of the peanut uh, doesn't mean they understand a whole lot about uh, anything else. You know what I'm talking about? And so person, he's not talking about just somebody here who may or may not be educated when he says ignorant. He's talking about they're ignorant about the Word of God. They're unstable. Uh, this is also obviously a personality thing or a character thing. They're unfixed. They're vacillating type people. He's talking about these false prophets. I think he certainly could be talking about today pastors, teachers, Sunday school teachers, authors, bloggers, people who twist and distort the Scripture knowingly sometimes. Sometimes they have an agenda. Sometimes they just do it out of ignorance. They just do it ignorantly. And, folks, here's the danger. Well, here's the the wonderful thing. There There are so many opportunities to hear the Word of God today. I mean, you can, you can, you can, in Ruston, there's a church on every street corner, and you can go on the internet, and you could literally, if you're a nut, you could listen to a sermon 24-7, couldn't you? I mean, you could, there's podcasts, there's, uh, there's video cast, there, again, there's blogs, there's uh, all kinds of Christian writers and books, I mean, by the, by the thousands and tens of thousands. That's the opportunity. The bad thing is, is that some of those people intentionally and unintentionally twist the scriptures. They, they're doing the scriptures wrong. They're perverting the word of God. And he's telling us this, the, the, this is not a minor problem. This is a major league problem. And it's interesting how I noticed this as even a young Christian, a lot of people want to teach and preach. If I said next Sunday uh, that anybody who wants to preach, if they'll come to my office, we'll talk, I'd have 100 people come. We'd have to weed that out pretty quick, wouldn't we? But I bet if we said we're going to do a garbage detail around the church, we'd have three come, and two of them will be paid and forced to come because they've been late to work some this week. Nothing wrong with wanting to teach and preach if that's what God's laid on your heart, and it's of God. But in James chapter 3, he says the teacher is held to a much higher standard but because it's such serious business. And that if we twist and distort the scriptures, whew, that's a bad mamma jamma, isn't it? That's a bad, bad thing. National Geographic, this month, National Geographic has a main article entitled The Campaign to Eliminate Hell. Now, folks, the people in this article would not identify themselves as crazy liberals. Now, I'm using that word kind of tongue-in-cheek. Crazy liberals years ago said hell is for rednecks and Baptists. And those are the same thing. And, and, and you know, and, and that hell, you know, educated, intelligent people don't buy into hell anymore. These people in this article would consider themselves more mainstream. They just, over the last 30 years as they studied the Scripture, the idea of hell being eternal punishment, of being fire, of being suffering, just doesn't seem compatible with the Word of God. Now, let me tell you, folks, that's twisting the Scriptures. 
Listen, if we could throw hell out of the Bible, I would vote to do it. But God didn't give me a say. And so if I tell you hell's not in the Bible or it really doesn't mean what it says, I'm distorting it for my purpose. And I may sound like I'm full of grace and love and mercy, but I'm lying to you, and that's not graceful, loving, or merciful. Evangelism begins to disappear when you have universalism, everybody will be saved, or you have extreme Calvinism that God's going to choose and we have no say, or if you have no hell. I mean, if hell's, if hell's taken off the table, becoming a Christian's not quite as big a deal, is it? That's distorting the Scriptures. A major denomination, a worldwide denomination, this month is meeting, and they're having big leagues discussion about whether they should mainstream gay marriage into their denomination, whether they should accept uh, gay couples into their church body and accept gay ministers uh, into their ordained clergy. Now, let me say this, because I don't want you to... I think I'm picking on one group over another. Homosexuality, like adultery and like fornication, is sin. And, and, And sometimes if you don't struggle with something, it's easy to pick on that. So I'm not picking on homosexuality. But I'm just saying that homosexuality, adultery, and fornication are sin. And if we ever say they're not, we are distorting the Scriptures. Folks, a second grader who can read can see that Jesus meant hell was a real place. A second grader who can read can say that sex is supposed to be between a man and a woman in marriage. And when, when people want to bring those things and say that the Bible doesn't really mean that or doesn't really say that, they're twisting the Scriptures. And God says that's a terrible thing. Are you with me? Bad, bad thing. So let, let's look at the second thing. Let's look at safety and success. People are going to twist the Scriptures How do we remain safe and successful? With a real tornado, success may just be safety, right? I mean, if you can survive it safely, you you have been successful. Spiritually, we don't need to just survive false teachings. We need to be successful as we deal with them. Here's the first thing. Pay attention to and heed God's warning. Pay attention to what God just said. Look in verse 17 what he says. I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on your guard so you won't be carried away by the heirs of wicked people and lose your secure footing. Wow. On March the 18th, 1925, Wayne was just a pup. And the tri-state tornado hit. Now, why do you think it was called the tri-state tornado, Mary? Why do you think it was? It hit three. You're you're close. (laughs) This huge tornado, which was on the ground for many, many miles, actually went into Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana. It killed 695 people. It's the worst tornado disaster in the history of our country. Now, here's, here's what you got to consider, though. In 1925, you didn't have a TV telling you a tornado was coming. You didn't have an iPhone going, geek, 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 in the middle of the preacher's sermon, telling you a flash flood warning, right? You don't think I hear those things. I do hear those things. <laughs> 
you don't have the internet or you don't have a weather radio 1925. I mean, you're really, warnings would have been tiny. You don't have the radar. I mean, especially somebody out on a farm, you're just on your own, really. They didn't have a warning. Today, when a tornado is, is on its way, we've got warning, don't we? I mean, we have TVs. TV go. It's funny, at our house, the TV always go out in the middle of the tornado. They'll say, the tornado is nearing... The TV will break. You go, good grief. It's probably on my street now. But, you know, you, you don't know. We, and we bought a, a weather radio, but we didn't get batteries for it, so it's, like, real effective. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, get the weather radio out. We can look at it while we die. Um, <laughs> and so, but we have the Internet. We have TV. We have Doppler radar. I want to show you a picture. Isn't this cool, Doppler radar? And if you're ever looking at it, and I'm not a, a meteorologist by trade, but they say right in here where there's some of that hook activity and that deep purple, right in here, that's where, you see that? That's where the tornado, like if it's coming down Trenton Street, join Temple real quick. I mean, get out of here, you know. But then join back First Baptist next Sunday. So that's a bad thing. But, but see, it's a good thing that we have all these warnings, don't we? We have all these things that can't. We have a weather radio we can use. We have things that ought to be able to help us. And, and that's what God is saying here. But let me backtrack. We have these, but how many of you really pay attention to them? Three or four years ago, a tornado touched down in Simsboro, kind of jumped Ruston and hit Shudrick. Y'all remember that? Here's what I did. I'm ashamed to say this. Here's what I did. They said the tornado is in Simsboro. I don't live far from Simsboro. I went out on my back patio and was doing like this. I felt really stupid, so I confessed to some men in our church, and some of them are medical doctors. And you know what they said? I went out too, and I was just looking up. And... I mean, we're idiots, aren't we? Tornado warning means duck and hide, and we're out looking. You know, and that we're the people they interview. You know, you, you know. Yeah, I was just out looking on the patio, and, and poof. Heed the, heed the tornado warning. But here's what God says here. God says, heed his warning. Look in verse 17. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. I'm laying out the danger. Be on your guard. Watch. Be persistent. It's interesting, the word guard here is a Greek military term for a military guard. And he's saying to the military guard, be awake at the post. Christian, be awake at the post. Listen to what's being taught. Don't be a skeptic and a critic and, oh, they don't preach good or they preach. But be discerning in what you're listening to. Be discerning in what you're reading. Just because some cool guy on TV in skinny jeans is saying something doesn't make it right. And be leery of any guy in skinny jeans. <laughs> I got to tell y'all a funny story. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I've always been husky. My wife and daughter who are here, they, they bought me a pair of jeans a few years ago. It was the right size in the waist, right length. It was skinny jeans. I smelled their breath later. They hadn't been drinking, but I'm not kidding. I got them to my calf. It's like, I'm going to really be sagging if I wear these. I mean, you, you know, but anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, don't get me that for Christmas, please, please. Be on guard. You don't want to be carried away. You don't want to be, in verse 17, you don't want to be led astray 
That's the military guard who goes to sleep at the post and who the enemy sneaks up and captures him and carries him off, maybe even kills him. Don't be led astray by error. That's fraudulent teaching, delusional wrong teaching. God said, listen, be, be on your toes spiritually. Isn't it, isn't it sad but interesting? 2,000 years ago, they were already dealing with false teachings. And boy, it's around today. False teaching doesn't mean they disagree with you. It means they disagree with the Word of God, the clear Word of God, okay? Now, this last part is, is troublesome. So that you won't be carried away by this, and lose your own secure footing. What does he mean by that? He, he's not talking about losing your salvation, which is great. What he's talking about is if you and I, we, we start swallowing junk, we're going to lose our effectiveness. We may damage our reputation. Folks, this church can't, subscribe to false teachings and have the power of God on us. We will lose the power of God. We will lose the effectiveness in our life. We will lose the joy of our salvation. Not our salvation, but we'll lose the joy and the vitality of our salvation. He's saying, be on guard. This is the first key to safety. Be on guard so you don't get suckered in and swallowed up into some false... Listen, these people come carrying good Bibles. A lot of times they're smooth and they're dogmatic and and they're impressive. These aren't idiots. No, you're not going to pay attention to some goofball. They weren't goofballs 2,000 years ago. Be on guard. Now, here's the second part. And this is being on guard, you think, maybe a little more defensive. And this is where it... Let me back up. Let me read you one verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Read that with me. Okay, it's easy to say tonight, hey, I've been studying the Bible before you was born, preacher. You may have, and that's awesome. That doesn't mean you can't fall. Well, you got a Ph.D. from seminary. That's awesome. There's Ph.D.s from seminary that split their spiritual britches all the time. Part of being on guard is being humble. It's being humble, knowing that it can happen to us. Here's the second thing in this. Keep growing in the right ways. Keep growing in the right ways. Pay attention. Stay humble. Now, look what he says in verse 18. Stay on guard, and rather than falling, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What, a, what, what great verses. Grow means to, to continue to extend. It means to continue to develop. Literally, the verbiage here is you must keep on growing. You should keep on growing. Your spiritual life, your relationship with Jesus, your knowledge should keep increasing. Don't raise your hands because you're going to embarrass yourself. How many of you here think you've arrived You know, occasionally preachers can sense that someone's listening to them who feels like they've arrived. You ever heard those saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Sure you have. How many of you have heard that? You've heard that. Sure you have. 
I want to read you its origins. It's pretty interesting. 1523, 1523, an English animal trainer named John Fitzherbert said the dog must be trained when he is a whelp, a pup, or else it will not be trained, for it is hard to make an old dog find a new scent. Hence, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Well, the Discovery Channel, a TV show called Mythbusters, a few years ago wanted to test this myth. So they went and got two Malamute dogs, which are known to be hard-headed. The dogs were seven years old apiece, which they say in dog world, that's 50, which to me, that's a mere youth. But, but they said, you know, it was an older dog. And that two dog trainers took these dogs for four days. They said, these dogs knew nothing at all. Four days later, they could sit, they could stay, they would come, they could shake hands, and they would lay down. And Mythbusters declared, that is a lie that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Listen, spiritually, once you stop growing, you start dying. And life has got to be horribly boring if you got it all figured out. But see, we don't. And that's, that's one of the things I love about the spiritual life is it's, an, it's a life we never fully obtain this side of heaven. And it's like riding a bike. Once you stop pedaling, eventually you're going to what? You're going to fall. So in the spiritual life, we keep growing. We keep moving forward. You can never top out here on earth. Isn't that great? Listen, I don't mean to disappoint some of you, but some of you have topped out. You are never going to get any taller. You're never going to get any more hair on your head. Well, not from God. <laughs> well, I'd, hey, I'd get plugs in a toupee if I could anytime. My wife won't let me wear a toupee. But. Some of us are, aren't ever going to get any faster. But spiritually, we never top out. Isn't that great? All we can do is continue to get better. How does he tell us to grow? He gives us two ways. Number one, grow in grace. Grow in grace. Rather, you must grow in grace. Grace, is, grace means several things, but it means God's undeserved favor. It means God's benefit, his kindness, his granted mercy and goodness towards us. I want to give you two ideas of growing in grace. One is is that you and I need to be so in love with Jesus that his mercy, his favor, his love just continues to pour into our lives. And if we're the right kind of vessels, not perfect but clean, God's grace can continue to pour in our life. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you realize you need God's grace continually? But see, grace is not only vertical, it's horizontal. When he says to continue to grow, expand in grace, that's character issues too. That you and I, listen, you ought to be more gracious, merciful, loving, and kind next year than you are today. Some of you, that may not be a stretch. I mean, it's a joke. But all of us should be nicer kinder, more loving people. Continue to grow in grace, in God's favor, and in in how you interact and love people. Listen, God says this is a way you protect yourself from false teachers. Secondly, he says continue to grow in knowledge, but rather you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This knowledge here is a word for clear and exact knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. It's the way a husband and a wife know each other. It's an intimate knowledge. 
And I think he's telling us two things here too. He's saying that you need to keep growing in your intimacy, in your love, in your bond with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Man, he's God. You cannot tap this out. You keep growing in that. But also, there is that academic knowledge here. Now, I'm afraid a lot of times today, we're more Bible study billies and betties than we are growing in Jesus. You want to grow in knowledge, but that's not the ultimate goal. But to keep growing intellectually in what you know about the Bible and the Word of God. Now, it's, it's neat here. He tells us to grow in both. Here's what happens. If I just grow in grace, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm compassionate, and I don't have a backbone. (laughs) You know, I'm compromising. Well, it's okay. If all I do is grow in truth, I'm strong, I'm steady, I'm arrogant, and I become a jerk. Right? Because I'm not very kind. And that's not just the way God made you. These are choices. These are fruits of the Spirit. So he says, grow, grow in grace, in God's favor, in how you love and you show mercy and kindness to other people. As you're growing in truth, the facts, what's right, intimate knowledge of Christ, being like Jesus, understanding and knowing his word. And how do you do this? It's simple. It's not easy. It's simple. You do what you're doing tonight. You come to church. You read your Bible. You pray. You, you let other people that love you and love Jesus shape you and help you. And as you do these things, listen, when, when, when you're on guard and you're growing in grace and knowledge, when you hear stuff that's wrong, your sensors are going to go off in your heart. You're going to know, I love that person, but i got to move away from that. I love that church or, or that Bible study, but I can't go back because of what's being taught there. You follow me? You see, these things build us up spiritually and help us be who God wants us to be to protect us and to lead us successfully through the storms. I read something this morning that I want to ask you. It was from Henry Blackaby, the author of the Experiencing God books. Wonderful, wonderful books, wonderful man. Henry Blackaby said, if God's looking at you and me tonight, how much growth is he seeing in our lives? How much growth in grace and in knowledge and love and Christ-likeness is he seeing in our lives? Wow, that's a pretty good challenge, isn't it? It's the key to success. Let's pray. Jesus, we need to make some kind of decision this evening. Help us to make the decision we need to make to do what we need to do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Here's what I want to challenge you tonight. Maybe you're here and and you've never given your life to Christ. You need tonight. You need tonight to give your life to Jesus. That's entering into this life of grace and truth. Come and do that tonight. Maybe you'd like to join our church if you're not a member. We would love for you to. We're going to be a church that's going to try to stand on the truth and the truth in love. Come and join us. Christian, maybe where you're standing or maybe at the altar, you're doing great. But you need to say to God, God, help me to stay the course. Maybe the case tonight is you're not doing so well. Don't let that continue until you crash. Correct course tonight with God. And start growing again in the ways he wants you to.
Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you.